everyone, welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily and today we're going to be talking about mistakes and why it's worth listening to the laws in the Bible, commandments that were given to us. We're going to talk about um, how the law that God's given us in the Bible protects, instructs, and corrects. So instruct, protect, correct. And that's going to be the theme today and it's going to be I think an exciting chance to really flesh through all the different um, things in scripture that can be hard to hear sometimes because they go against our natural inclinations as humans. They go against our natural kind of human born desires and sometimes it's hard to understand why would God want to hold us back from things that feel so good and so I want to explore that with you today and I want to walk through that with you. I'm not coming from a standpoint where I'm trying to preach it to you on a moral high ground. In fact, I'm going to be talking about some things I've done that I've regretted really deeply in my life and uh, how God's law has worked to instruct, protect, and correct my life. And uh, hopefully let that be testimony to you and how you might be able to apply that to your life um, for the enhancement of your own relationship with God. And maybe you'll even go on to use that to help others as well. So today we're actually going to be in Galatians uh, for pretty much the whole thing. And you might be thinking that's particularly interesting because pretty much the whole law and all the commandments were written in the Old Testament for the most part. And while that is true, um, Paul, when he's writing in Galatia, does a really good job of um, talking about our natural desires of the flesh and how uh, we can choose to walk in the spirit instead. So we're actually gonna be in Galatians today, even though we are talking about law. And so if you wanna turn ahead in your Bible to Galatians 3, um, we're gonna be in kind of going back and forth in Galatians. It's actually only six chapters if you've never read the book. It's a really great place to start. And I like some of the major overarching themes of the book, such as like equality, you know, there was a big debate back in Galatia about um, being circumcised because that was an Old Testament law. And the book kind of talks about, um, in Paul's writing, how it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, you are the same to God because God loves you regardless of those things. Um, And that we're not bound by law, we're made in faith and we're saved through faith. And, um, it's really interesting because you can generalize that to a lot of other circumstances. Um, in fact, he even talks about this for women. Um, let me find the verse for you guys because it's a really important one that I think um, sometimes we need to remind ourselves, you know, as men and women of God, that God has uh, roles for us and he has things that he intends for us to help us and to guide us. And he doesn't view um, men and women as, you know, separate in his heart. We're loved equally. Our roles might look different on earth, like with, you know, women bearing children, like that's going to look different um, than a man's life. But at the end of the day, God loves us um, equally so very much. And in his heart, we are always the same of the same love and I don't know why I'm struggling so badly to find this verse right now 
<laughs> That's actually so funny. I don't know where this went. Okay, I'll have to come back to that one later because I cannot find it at the moment. I don't know what happened with that. But anyways, to kind of talk about what I was just mentioning, it says, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. Um, And that is Galatians 3.11. And that was kind of talking about what I mentioned briefly at the beginning about how we live through faith, not law. So you can live a perfect life, uh, sin-free, which is actually technically impossible because only Jesus can do that. But you can, like, do all the things of the law right. But if you're not living in faith, that's not living with God. And um, it says later in Galatians 3, verse 14, near the end, it says, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit, which is eternal life. Um, And... It also says in Galatians 3 verse 9, those who rely on faith are blessed. And I know you're like thinking, we're not really talking about the rules yet or mistakes yet, but trust me, I'm going to get to that. Um, It's really difficult to be so consumed with messages of this world that tells you so many things um, that will promote harmful things. At first they feel good, but then they feel awful. Um, a really easy example of that is alcohol. Certainly in most people's lives, we've consumed alcohol at some point. And in some people's lives, we've consumed alcohol to the point where it's been really harmful to us. And yeah, an example would be at first alcohol feels really good when you're out Maybe it's like you're at a wedding or a celebration of some sort, like a graduation party, and you have a glass of champagne or wine, and at first it feels really good, and you're feeling bubbly and talkative, and the music's feeling nicer, and your conversations are feeling better, and your social anxiety's eased, and it feels so good. How could anything like this be wrong? Well, especially some good things can be turned bad very quickly. That's kind of a lot like idolatry. So idolatry being taking a good thing and making it a bad thing, such as money. Um, Money's inherently a good thing. However, humans have done a terrible job of making it an idol and a bad thing, something we aspire to, something that replaces God and our relationship with God, Um, something we look up to and replace instead of God. So instead of um, looking to God to help us feel sadness and um, importance in our life, instead of letting God fill those holes, we turn to money to fill that need of emptiness. We turn to alcohol to fulfill the sadness, and that is idolatry um, in the modern form, but I would even argue in the historical form as well, because we see it in the Bible as well. Um, so, Getting to where we're going to talk about sin here and the kind of overwhelming burden that can be mistakes. So sometimes, you know, in that example of over drinking alcohol, when you wake up the next morning, the sin that originally felt so good, that drunkenness, that, you know, livelihood the night before, well, the unfortunate thing about sin is it's not good forever. 
even though it can be very fulfilling momentarily, unlike God, it's momentary. God's good love and grace is eternal, and it keeps you in the fruits of the Spirit, which we'll get to a bit later, and it's a beautiful thing, and it's not ending, and it's not ceasing. It's constant goodness in the midst of storm, whereas when you turn to things like alcohol and um, money for your satisfaction in life, those things are fleeting and frankly can leave you a kajillion times more hurt than you can even imagine. It's like, yeah, waking up the next morning with that awful hangover and now you're feeling guilt, shameful, and they even call it anxiety because that's the sense of feeling hungover to the point where you're anxious. So then the question I have to ask you is, is God in your heart? Because if you're experiencing sin in your life and you're not sure how to move past this hurt, have you accepted God in your heart? If you have accepted God in your heart, then as Galatians 9 says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? So that's my response. If you know God, you've chosen to follow God, that is one response. But if you're you know, experiencing sin in your life right now and you are feeling weighed down and like a huge force of emptiness in your life that you can't bear to solve with anything other than sin, um, what I would do is encourage you to listen to what I have to say next, which is inspired by um, Galatians 4 verse 12. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. And basically what I'm saying there is I have may have not walked exactly where you're walking in your life right now, but I've gone through major seasons myself of major sin and things that I thought were going to lead to happiness, but ultimately distracted me over and over again and caused terrible pain and anguish for many years in my life. I just couldn't recognize it at the time. So if you're not following Christ and you can't see how following him would make things better than the sin you're choosing right now, whether that's alcohol, drugs, um, you know, sexual immorality, anything like that, um, or even things like gossiping, lying, deceit, um, selfish ambition, you know, idolatry, so like loving things like money or uh, you know, horoscopes, things like that. If you can't see how God could improve things in your life better than the previous list of things I mentioned, all those um, sinful things we look to, like the drugs and alcohol and so forth, if you can't see how God could replace those things and that your life would be better with them, I want you to keep on listening because I'm going to hopefully convince you that by accepting God and walking with him and following him, uh, your life will be infinitely better than the things those worldly things could ever promise you or provide you, um, even when they're good. But certainly, like I said earlier, what about when it's bad? Christ, walking with Christ is never a bad feeling. It certainly comes with many trials and you're going to experience troubling times. Following God isn't a cure to ha- living a life of heaven on earth. Um, but it certainly is a cure to not feel the depths of despair that sin and idolatry 
leads us to, and once again, I want to be really clear, every time I'm seeing idolatry, I don't necessarily mean just worshiping other gods, which is um, one definition of it, but I mean replacing God with anything, like anything, um, whatever that means to you, um, an eating disorder, right? Like it could be something like that, where you're replacing God with food, um, and there's many um, psychological issues involved with that, and I would simply encourage you, if you're struggling with something like an alcohol disorder, an eating disorder, a drug addiction, if you're struggling with anything like that, I really encourage you to seek professional help and try and talk to someone you trust, maybe someone mature in faith, someone you trust like a family member or friend, and definitely seek help and seek God's word in this time. Um, You definitely don't deserve to be alone throughout this. And I also want to say from Galatians 4 verse 14, it says, even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. And it says, instead, you welcome me as if I was an angel of God. And I just think that's beautiful because sometimes in our life, we're going to be met with people who do treat us with contempt and scorn and shame and guilt. And those are things that God does not want you to feel ever. So I encourage you to surround yourself with people who will not make you feel that way, who will lift you up. And I ultimately ask you to bring these problems to God's feet and ask him for help and allow him to work and make you new from the inside out. And I encourage you to seek this rebirth and to seek um, the way of the spirit because you will feel just so much better than once again anything of this world could ever make you feel and yeah so I finally found the verse I was looking for earlier which says nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus and I know it feels like I might be switching up a little bit right now but I do just want to say that I think it's really important to look at the fact that we are all the same so to me when it says there's no nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's not just about gender. Because the line before that says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. And that also means there are so many things in the world that are say, you know, you're either black or you're white. You're either a Republican or a Democrat. You're either this or that. You're either an alcoholic or you're not an alcoholic. And I'm here to tell you and remind you today that according to Jesus' word that he spoke in the Gospels himself and have been reminded to us in the New Testament, such as this writing by Paul, that you are all one in Christ Jesus. It does not matter your gender, your skin color. It does not matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. It does not matter if you are struggling with addiction because God is for you and he loves you. It says, so you in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You are God's child and he is the father and he is for you through faith. That means all of us, regardless of what the world says and tries to divide us and tries to separate us, um, we're not separated. We're one family. We are one family in Christ. And that's how he sees us. And it's important that we don't forget that. 
when it comes to our own suffering and our own sinful temptations. And when it comes to the law, we need to be able to see that we shouldn't be comparing each other. It says in uh, Galatians 5, 26, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's not look at each other and say, oh, well, you're this type of person. You're that type of person. You're, oh, you've done this type of thing, and you've done that type of thing. And just divide each other. Let's not do that. It says in that verse, let's not be conceited, provoking, and envying. Let's not envy each other. Let's not compare ourselves. Let's not do that because we're all one in Jesus. And the reason we have the law is to help us, to guide us. And it's important then to not forget that we have freedom. It says in verse five, sorry, it says in chapter five, verse one, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened. And I think sometimes we allow our sin to burden us and weigh us down. Um, It's impossible to hold the law perfectly because that was only ever done by Jesus. And we often make ourselves feel terrible when we sin or do something wrong. Um, The guilt that comes with that can feel so overbearing, Uh, such as like a husband who cheats on his wife, anything like that. It's like, you know, you know you've done something horrifically wrong and you're so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed with this awful feeling of guilt, I can certainly imagine. And in that situation, and it's just like hard to move forward after committing such an awful sin and not allow that guilt to weigh you down each and every day. But it is for freedom in Christ that sets us free. We can't uphold the law perfectly, but what we can do is try. Like I, the whole purpose of this video when I said, the role of the law is to instruct, protect, correct. Let's look at that situation I just exemplified of the husband who cheats on his wife. Um, so he's feeling guilty, which is the correct way to feel. And frankly, if he wasn't feeling guilty, I think that would show a huge lack of moral character. Um, but the purpose of the law, which says, um, which makes that a sin which says, um, you know, to be faithful to your husband and wife, basically not to cheat, no adultery. And so the purpose of that law is to instruct. Instruct you to live a faithful life to your spouse. Um, So it instructs us, clearly. And that's also given to us to protect us. We want to be, God wants to protect us. We actually turn down protection very frequently as humans. I don't know why we're built like that, to think that we can handle everything by ourselves and do everything ourselves. But God's here to remind us with his law that his law is a protection. It's not a confinement. I think often we look at the law as something that is confines us and, you know, restrains our free will. And, you know, it's kind of like a punishment or leads to a very controlled life. And while certainly um, it can be applied that way, and it has been historically, um, in certain societies, the law isn't meant to, um, to cause harm. The law is meant to protect, and that's how we need to look at it, and that's how we need to apply it to our life. So when God says, don't commit idolatry, that is instructing and is protecting, because what happens after this man cheats on his wife? 
I mean, his family's destroyed. You can never rebuild the same way again. And frankly, things like that have led to just the most atrocious harm to families across the entire globe. Um, one decision based on lust um, just has the ripple effect to destroy so much goodness um, in many people's lives. And um, so that law is there to protect us from our own lusts, our own desires, and ultimately protect, um, yeah, oneself from, you know, the guilt and the all the awful things that can come with a situation like that, you know, to protect the innocent people in that situation, the wife, any children, things like that, you know, family that gets involved. And that law is to protect us, as with all laws in the Bible, it's to protect us and to correct us. Because once you commit the sin, I think sometimes we often sit so long with it that we let it define us and we let it overcome us and we then label ourselves as that person. Oh, well, I'm just the drunk. I'm just the drug addict. Oh, I'm just um, a gossip. I'm just, you know, we let all those things become labels and we allow the world to label us that way. And worse than the world labeling us that way, we allow ourselves to believe the label. We allow ourselves to just run with it and define ourselves that way. But that is not how God sees you. God gave you that law to furthermore correct you. Instruct, protect, correct. And he gave you that law to correct you as well so that you wouldn't do something like that again. So even though the man's cheated on his wife, perhaps he can use that law to correct his future actions so that he would never do something like that ever again. Um, and that's ultimately the whole purpose of the law to correct us, that give us that opportunity for redemption. Because if we have no laws, if we have no um, no moral ground or no moral overview of life, then there's nothing to, like, there's no way to improve because there's no standard set. And God gives us opportunities again and again for redemption. He gives us opportunities for salvation again and again. And he gives us opportunity for correction, to to live our lives in a better way, in a more God-honoring way. And the funniest part about all that is when you live in a God-honoring way, in a weird way, you're not even honoring God quite fully. It's like you're almost honoring yourself because God's in you. And when you live in this God-honoring way, your whole body is better from the exterior to the interior. Um, we also hear in the Gospels, it's not what um, comes goes into a person that... Um, makes them clean or unclean. It's what comes out of a person that makes them clean or unclean. And that's speaking about, you know, um, that was used to say that it's no longer about food that makes you clean. It's like what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your heart, what comes out of your spirit. Um, and that's the indicator of where your heart lies. So God gives us this constant opportunity and will use things like guilt to correct you and protect you from future harm and doing the same mistake again. But you're not meant to live in guilt. You're not meant to let that sit. You should bring that to God in the form of repentance. And to define repentance, that is to ask God for forgiveness from what you've done. And then to ask him not just for forgiveness, but to promise him that you're going to actually try your hardest to never do that again. The problem with repentance is when we say, oh God, I'm sorry I drank too much wine. I'm never going to do that again but we don't mean it. We're not actually going to try. We're not going to make steps in our lives, you know, 
to actually protect against that. We're just saying it empty. And that's not what God wants. God doesn't want an empty relationship filled with empty promises. That's something we do, you know, in the world. We say, oh yeah, I'll give you a call later this week. Did you ever call them? No, it was an empty promise and you knew it when you said it. That's not the relationship God wants with us. God wants you to bring him everything and he wants you to be genuine. And if you can't make a promise to get better, to change your course of action, you know, maybe you're struggling with food addiction or deprivation and you just can't see yourself stopping. Bring that to God and say, God, I can't see myself stopping. I can't see myself stopping. And this is a part that is so rarely talked about in the church and that's what drives me crazy because it's okay to not know how to overcome sin. It's okay to say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't, I know it, I'm not feeling good after this sin and I do want to feel better and I do want your help with this, but I don't know where to start and I need you. So I'm going to offer you a uh, kind of like a scripted prayer that I've been doing more recently on this podcast. And this is a new one, that, but I want you guys to follow along. If there's anything in your life that's causing you harm um, in any way, something you're looking to get rid of, maybe a stronghold, something that's really held you captive for a while and is weighing you down in a really negative light. So I offer you this moment to pray with me. You can uh, speak these words aloud in your head, uh, use your own words, but let's just pray over this together and I'll give you an example of something you can say. Dear God and Heavenly, Heavenly Father, I've been struggling with this thing for so long and it's over consumed my entire life it takes so much place in my thoughts and in my actions and it drives my behavior and I need to learn to let this go I can't do this alone I don't know where my next step would be I just can't even imagine a life without this one thing and I know it's replacing you but I can't overcome this by myself I can't even begin to fathom overcoming this by myself I don't I can't imagine a life that doesn't look like this because I'm so bound to this thing And God, I just ask that you would fill my life with people willing to come alongside me and support me in this journey. God, I ask that you would surround me with people who love me and who want the best for me and who can guide me and support me in this time. And God, I ask that you would give me the support I need and any programs I may need and any tools I may need. And God, I also need you to walk with me and help me and allow the spirit within me to guide me and help me make better decisions because I can't do this by myself. I can't do this alone. I need you, God. I need you to work within me. I need your help with this. And I trust you and I know that you love me and you want to help me. And I'm so lucky that I have your grace and I'm so lucky that I can trust you with all these worries in my life. I thank you so much for everything you do for me, even when life is hard, even when dealing with things like this are hard. But God, I lift this up to you and I really am going to trust you that you will make a way for me to get help with this situation. So God, I thank you and I praise you. Amen. So that's an example of just a prayer that um, can really help call God to assist you when you feel like you can't assist yourself. And I'd like to just let you know that that's a normal feeling. You're not alone in that. Um, And I think sometimes we tell ourselves that 
we have to be able to be these invincible people who can just do it all themselves. And I'm here to let you know that's actually very rare and not common at all. Most people need help. They need help from God. They need help from professionals. They need help from friends and family and people who love them. And that is okay. That is normal. In fact, it's very biblical that you would get support from, you know, a variety of people and especially God, of course, and you're not alone. And so I most certainly wanted to let you know that today. And to give you some encouragement, when you come out of the other light of the tunnel with any sin, not only does the law instruct, protect, and correct, um, the, I think the best part of coming out on the other side of sin and, you know, walking not in accordance with the law is the fact that your faith shines so bright afterwards. And then I just want to read that one verse again says in verse 20 uh chapter 3 verse 22 but scripture locked up everything under control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in jesus christ might be given to those who believe so everything under the control of sin was locked up so that everything through faith in jesus would be given to those who believe so your faith will shine through you when you believe in Jesus, Jesus will protect you and lock away the sin. And you just need to have faith and believe and trust in him. And he will help you through the season. And once again, the most beautiful thing that comes out of such a situation where you make it out and you rely on Jesus for support is in verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13. It says, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. So Paul had an illness and he's saying that this is what caused him to first preach the gospel and I want to apply this to modern times. If you um, have a heroin addiction and you turn your life around, use that illness and use that sin and use the law and everything that's happened to you to preach the gospel, to use your illness, whether it's an eating disorder or lust, anything like that, Whatever your, you know, gossip, it doesn't have to be some kind of big, you know, overwhelming thing. Use anything. Use those big things too, like depression and anxiety. Use whatever God has put in your life as a sin, as a roadblock, you know, a stronghold. You know, the things God hasn't, because sometimes God doesn't put those things in your life. He just allows them to happen for many reasons that I can never truly understand. But whatever is in your life is for your life. And that can be really hard to remember because some things are painful. It's like, why is this for me? This is awful. Well, there's not many things we can do to avoid hardships in life because that's just life on earth. If you want the good stuff, we got to wait till heaven. Like the really, really good stuff. But as scripture says, I will see goodness in the land of the living. I want to say that again. I will see goodness in the land of the living. And that is a promise to you and to all of your loved ones, and you will see goodness. And I ask that you be encouraged to push through your illness and use it to preach to others. Use it as a testimony. Use it to bring others to faith and just speak with boldness. And don't be afraid to share what's happened to you. Um, Not everyone will always treat you the way you deserve to be treated with it which is with kindness and respect 
but it's worth it to share what God has done in your life always, 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 always. And I just wish that for you, that you would feel comfortable using whatever you've been through um, to help others. And that is just so beautiful when that happens. And it shows how important the law is because once again, without that law, we can't use those things to help others. Um, so to instruct, protect, and correct is just, yeah, I, I have to say it's such, you know, a different way of viewing scripture. I think sometimes we look at the commandments and the laws and all those things. It's just this huge burden and just like this like sense of shame and guilt because they're impossible standards to live up to 100%. But I think we need to look at them as instruction, protection, correction, because they're not, it just as it says, the man wasn't made for Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Just as it says that, so is the law. The law isn't made for God, for God's glory. It's made to protect you and to love you as his children, which in turn glorifies God. And it's made to help us. And I think next time you're thinking of a commandment that is really hard for you to follow or you simply just don't even like, think about why God would have made that commandment. Like truly ask yourself why he would say something like that and think about what that means between you and God's relationship, just the two of you. Ignore the world, ignore all the other people who have committed that sin or not and just think about why God wrote that commandment and why did he write that for you? Because God looks at you, the individual. He's not looking at other people. We look at other people. God looks at us individually. Um, and so I just really love that. And it says in chapter 5, verse 5, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. And then later it says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Um, I've been talking a lot about law in Galatians, and some of you might be thinking, wow, that's really weird, because one of the major principles of Galatians is that it's, you know, not by the law, but through faith that we're saved, and, you know, that that's what, the faith is what matters, not the law. Um, Absolutely, yes, that's one of the major purposes of Galatians, but I do really love the way the law is written and conveyed here and um that the law and the faith go hand in hand you need the law to have faith because it guides your faith and it instructs the faith um and protects and corrects but you know the two are necessary but it is with the faith that we can express love and that we can do these things so I want to talk about two ways now to live our lives and how the law plays a role in this. So in Galatians chapter 5, we see towards the end, we get into the fruits of the spirit, but we also get into the acts of the flesh. And I just want to do a quick definition here. Um, Fruits of the spirit is when we have God in our hearts and we're walking very closely with God and these are the things that can show to other people through us because we're living in the spirit. Um, these things are love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are the things that when you're walking with God and committed to God, these are the things that pour out from you. And now you're probably thinking, well, I love God with my whole heart, but I, um, I wouldn't say I'm patient. I know I'm not. Um, I'm like horrible with patience. It's something I've always been working on. But um, these are the general things that are manifested in the way we conduct ourselves in the world when we allow ourselves to walk closely with God. And it is these things that um, overpower our passions and desires. And when I say passions and desires, I mean like the bad kind of passions and desires, which are the acts of the flesh. And to define that, they are things that are sinful, that hold us back, that um, over-consume our lives, that are idols, that just, yeah, really can tear apart our whole self and lead to so much guilt and shame. And that's certainly not what I want for you. And it's not, even more certainly, it's not what God wants for you. Hence why he writes the law to protect us from those things. He wants you to be able to walk in the fruits of the spirit. I mean, wouldn't we all? Sounds like a lovely way to live life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wouldn't it be nice to have just like perfect self-control at all times? It's certainly how God wants our lives to look. And it's our job to try and, you know, allow him to show that in us. I think sometimes we think all these things have to be earned, but less so in the fact that we just give ourselves to God. And through our relationship with God, this is what the spirit, which is already inside of us who love God, does within us. It's what naturally overflows and pours out. And so, but going back to the acts of the flesh, these things that hold us down, it says in chapter 5, verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. I think why it says the word obvious is because I think we all know these things are wrong because regardless of whether or not you're a Christian, I think deep down everyone feels these things are wrong. I think we have an this is just a hypothesis, this is not biblical, but I think we have an innate sense of right and wrong in our hearts, um, regardless of whether you're a believer or not. And I think evil things still feel evil to people that don't believe in God. I think that's something we just all have from birth, but that is a hypothesis, that's not biblical. So I'm gonna jump back into what is biblical, which is that the acts of the flesh are obvious. So things that we can easily identify as wrong, but they still feel good or can feel good. And that's why we need to run from them because they're really bad for us. So it says they are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, And then it says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this scripture has been, in my opinion, twisted a little bit. Because that last verse, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's like been said, you know, people have picked out certain sin within that to say, oh, like none of these people are going to ever, you know, be in the kingdom of God. You're not going to go to heaven, even if you're a Christian. But I would like also argue that a lot of people that say stuff like that are people who have been drunk in their life. So if you have been drunk in life, according to that, like if you really believe that those people don't go to heaven, then you believe 
anyone who's ever been drunk doesn't go to heaven, which I think is utterly wrong and a very incorrect interpretation of the scripture and complete BS. It says, and I quote towards the end of that verse there, I'm quoting uh, Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse uh, 21. It says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice it doesn't say those who have ever done these things like once or twice. It says those who live like this. Those who like perpetually live in these ways. It doesn't say if you do one of these things. It doesn't say if you did it one time. You know, it doesn't even say if you did it a hundred times. It says if, I think that this is saying that if your life looks like this, if your life is overwhelmed with the acts of the flesh that you only serve to gratify your uh, wrongful passions and desires of your body, of your flesh, if you're only seeking gratification and glorifying yourself through those acts and through those sins that the law warns us against, that is not godly and that is not how you enter the kingdom of God in heaven. And that is what it says. It says those who live like this. So I just want to say that because I've had people try and tell me otherwise uh, every now and then who frankly I don't believe have even read this that thoroughly and I believe that's wrong, like their opinion of it. I really do believe that it's only if your life looks like utterly covered in those things that, um, yeah. And so now I want to switch because I don't want you to be scared by what I just said if you are living that way. Um, because God has these things of the spirit he wants for you instead. He says, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't those sound so much nicer than the acts of the flesh? But it's hard. I think sometimes we look at that and we're like, witchcraft? Well, I don't do witchcraft, so whatever. Like, can't be me. And you just move on. But truly, I tell you, it's not that you look at that list and think, oh, I, I, I'd never do that. Look at that list and realize that's how God is seen. don't live your life. These are the things the scripture and the law has really taught us against, and it's for our goodness. And then look at that list of the, all the things that God does want for you, the things that are actually already available inside you. If you love God, and that's all you need to do is say, God, I love you, I trust you, and I want to give my life to you. I give my life to you today. That's all you have to say. And allow the spirit to overpour within you his love. And it says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. And it says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So when we belong to God, when God is ours, we allow him and that decision in the spirit to crucify all of those fleshly desires, all those sinful desires. We allow the spirit to guide us and lead us and overcome those things. And once again, I just want to say, I don't mean to cause any alarm to any of you. When I read those acts of the flesh, I really want to be clear in what I'm saying. That everyone, everyone deserves a seat at the kingdom of God. Everyone 
deserves a chance to be kneeling at God's throne. Everyone deserves a chance to feel his fruits of the spirit here on earth. That's not a promise for heaven. That's a promise for earth. That's a promise for when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the gas station, when you go to your university, when you go to your workplace. It's a promise for you driving in your car. It's a promise for you walking down the street. It doesn't matter where you are. That is a promise for here on earth. That is not a promise for just heaven. That you would have goodness flowing through your life, love and joy and self-control. That those things would flow out of you. That you would have patience and gentleness. And it wouldn't always be a guaranteed thing to have 24-7, that those would be things you have to seek through God, your relationship with God. You have to allow him to flow that out from you. You have to allow him to help you with these things. And you have to walk with him. And he wants these things for you here on earth. And how much better does that list sound than the acts of the flesh? And the acts of the flesh can lead to those uh, briefly gratifying moments, but who wants briefly gratifying moments? We can have the fruits of the Spirit constantly. We can ask God for that constantly. We can walk with Him and receive it constantly. I've met women who have gone through some of the most horrific challenges of life and who have just the most awful conditions. And I just truly have seen them and looked in their eyes and seen, for some reason, peace. I'm like, how could you have peace in this circumstance? I just truly don't understand. I don't know if I could ever do that but just the peace and the faithfulness in those times. And I'm just like, how? And But I know how. It's the spirit within them. The spirit of God has given them peace and faithfulness in the most horrific periods of their lives. And I just can't even express to you the true goodness that God has for you in store in your life, regardless of how many acts of the flesh you've done. It does not matter to God. He's here for you today. He's here for your rebirth and your revival. And he's here for you on earth as he is in heaven. And he is for you. And he is going to be so good to you. And he has already gone ahead of you and laid out the plans for your life. So let us walk in step with him because we live by him. And the law is there for our protection, our correction. God is not here to shame and guilt you in any way. He's here to guide you and to tell you how much he loves you and to show you that, to step with you. And I just really want to highlight to you today that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what other people have said, even though it certainly hurts, but it doesn't matter what other people have said about you, what other people have labeled you, The only label that matters is child of God. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And that's um, Galatians 6 chapter, or sorry, Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. I don't know why the verse is being so hard for me today. Um, And that's something he gives to all of us, that goodness, that good. And we have that opportunity to do good for all others as well and how good is that it feels so good to do something nice for someone else way better than buying yourself how good does it feel to go to the store and buy yourself a top and then ask yourself how good it would feel to buy someone who is in need a new shirt it would feel so much better i don't think you would regret it and that's what god's inspiring within you right now he wants you to live a life where you are walking in the spirit with him and you're feeling good and you're doing good, even in the hardest storms that you would have peace 
and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. That you would have these things. He wants them for you so badly. And it's, life is hard. These things are hard. Walking away from the flesh is hard. But we have an opportunity to do good to all people. And all people starts with you. We have an opportunity to do good in our own lives by allowing God to open us up and let us become new from the inside and out, to become a new creation, to be part of his family, to be his child. You're already his child. You just need to allow yourself to call yourself that. Forget the label they used to call you. Forget the hurtful labels you've ever heard your whole life. God is saying, you're a child of God. You're my child. You're my son or daughter. You are mine. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Whether or not you want to accept God in your heart, God's already got you in his. You are in his heart. He loves you. you. He is your father. And unlike earthly fathers and earthly people in our lives that will hurt us from time to time or all the time, God is not here to hurt you. He is for you. He doesn't want to see you harmed. That's why he wrote the laws. That's why he's given to us them in like in the BC era and it's why it was alive in the AD era and it's why it's alive today and in the good book so that we can read it because he is so for us that he made sure we had laws to protect correct us in everything we do so I implore you to go forth into the world today and every time you allow yourself to heal a label in your head I'm not good enough I'm a sinner I'm a drunk I'm a cheater I'm a gossip I'm you know all these awful things that the devil especially will try and say to us I ask you today, your one goal every time you tell yourself something like that or hear a thought in your head saying something like that, correct it and say, I am loved by the most high, most powerful God, the God, the one and the only, the Alpha and the Omega, he's the beginning and the end, and I am his child. Tell yourself, there is no other label for you other than child of God, son or daughter, that is you, and he loves you so much. And I hope you all have a great week and get to reflect on your new label. And even if you've been a Christ follower for a very long time, I know that you have those negative thoughts because we all do. (laughs) So allow yourself to remind yourself of that new label every single time. Play it over and over in your head every time you have a bad thought. I'm a child of God and he loves me regardless of what I've done. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. I am loved by my God. So have a great day 